WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, uh, a very full Noah Layden after Thanksgiving. Good morning. It is Friday, November 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today. High. 50, so good day if you're out there doing the Black Friday shopping. Saturday, more clouds than sun, the high just 44. And then Sunday morning clouds and probably see some p.m. showers, high 52. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 44 and cloudy up in Muncie in Rockland County, 48 and cloudy in Elizabeth down in New Jersey. And it is 46 and cloudy right outside our Midtown studio. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour, a special edition of Sid and Friends in the morning coming your way. Uh, the uh, big story, of course. The today, no doubt, if you've been following it, a Frank was talking about this on the overnight show, is um, Israel's military uh, and Hamas are going to exchange these hostages beginning at four o'clock Israel time this afternoon. We're going to check in in Israel in just a moment. But um, Israel's military continued to pummel the Gaza Strip yesterday, just ahead of this four-day ceasefire intended to see Hamas uh, free dozens of Israeli hostages in exchange for the release of some 150 Palestinian prisoners. About 10 U.S. citizens remain unaccounted for after Hamas's brutal October 7th terror attack inside Israel. And some of them are thought to be hostages, including the youngest hostage in captivity, this three-year-old Abigail Idan, who actually turns four today. We're going to find out in a moment if she's on the first list of people to be, uh, to be released. The pause in the fighting, it was set to begin around uh, midnight our time, 7 a.m. Israel time. The first batch of 13 hostages be released at 4 o'clock Israel. All of them women and children. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office uh, confirming that uh, he had received a preliminary list of names, uh, hundreds of trucks carrying aid, including cooking oil and fuel and medical supplies, will cross into the Gaza Strip at some point today. At least that's the thought. The need is so great in Gaza that no matter how much aid you are going to bring in, there will be certainly uh, more need for uh, for aid. That's one of the officials in Qatar who helped organize and work out this deal to free the hostages. Hamas is incentivized to release more of the 236 captives. Every 10 additional hostages freed by Hamas will see Israel extend the temporary ceasefire by one day. So it's four days now. They could get extra days if more hostages are released. More Palestinian prisoners will also be released if the deal is extended at the ratio of three prisoners for every hostage handed over. So it's women and children in the first batch of hostages. And so that leaves a lot of people who don't know when and if they'll see their loved ones ever again, including the children of 79-year-old Chaim Perry. They hope their dad is released at some point. It is really hard to think how he's coping, how he's... Uh, dealing with those probably days and nights that he doesn't even know uh, where he is, what time is it. 
President Biden, who's spending Thanksgiving in Massachusetts, telling reporters that he's not prepared to give an update until everything is done. So there's lots of worries about how, of course, this is going to work out as the day goes on. That is the Perry family in Israel and many others who are waiting for loved ones to come home are just hoping for the best. The need is so great in Gaza that no matter how much aid you are going to bring in, there will be certainly uh, more need for, uh, for aid. And so, there, of course, a lot of talk about this uh, exchange of three hostages for one, three Palestinian hostages for one Israeli. But this is what the Israelis have been known for. In 2011, Hamas agreed to free uh, kidnap Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit in exchange for the release of a thousand Palestinian prisoners. Uh, Gershon Baskin, he's an Israeli hostage negotiator who helped secure that agreement, says the fact that the militants are getting just three prisoners in exchange for each hostage they released this time is an indication, he says, to him that Hamas is eager to hand back women and children and elderly hostage, uh, uh, hostages that they're holding on to. All right, so let's get the latest now as we've um, done all through this Israeli conflict in the days after October 7th and forward. Uh, Alex Trayman, he's CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, who's done an amazing job of covering the terror attacks and the war that has taken place after that and he joins us live on our newsmaker line good morning alex good morning noam so give me uh, an indication of the feeling in israel at this hour as we wait for these first hostages to be released from gaza well tense anticipation uh israelis hoping just hoping that the deal goes through as has been written and signed and that the the first batch of 13 Hostages will be returned uh, today from captivity in Gaza into Israel. And do we know who these 13 hostages are? Uh, the Israeli government has a list, and a list is supposed to be prepared within 24 hours of the release of each batch of hostages. Uh, they have not released the names of the hostages to the public, uh, just simply because they actually don't trust uh, the information that they're getting to this point, and they don't want uh, information being spread, uh, which could cause uh, severe trauma to the families if they think that their loved one is being released and it doesn't come to pass. Okay, so the first hostages will be released 4 o'clock Israel time, which is, what, 10 o'clock America time? Is that right? Or 9 o'clock America uh, 9 time? 9 a.m. And so we're, you know, this is just a number of hours away. We're four hours away from this. Um the thought is, is and this is what we've heard, but um, I guess we have no guarantee of this, is that the children that will be released would be released with their mothers if they're there with them in captivity. Is that right? Uh, not clear yet if the children will be released together with their mothers. And, and there's been some reports that Hamas specifically would not release family members together uh, in part of their psychological warfare game to to make sure that those hostages don't say bad things about their captors because they have loved ones uh, still in captivity. So, you know, there's a lot of psychological games being played here and, and, and a lot of unknowns. 509, we have Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, joining us on our Newsmaker Line. Big day in Israel, also on the Gaza side, as hostages will be released beginning at 4 o'clock. So, the Red Cross is the middleman in getting these hostages out, Alex? Uh, we're still not sure exactly what the role of the Red Cross is, is going to be. Uh, you know, it's believed that uh, Qatar had 
promised that the Red Cross would get access to hostages, both the ones that are being released as well as the the ones that are potentially still in captivity. Um, it's not clear to what degree the Red Cross will be involved, but uh, from what we understand, at 4 o'clock, the hostages will be brought uh, to the Rafah crossing between Israel and Egypt, and on the Egyptian side of the border, they'll be met by uh, an Israeli field hospital that's been set up specifically to deal with the hostages. Uh, from there, they'll determine if the hostages need uh, medical examination and hospitalization. It would take them either by vehicle or by helicopter to one of six hospitals that are, are waiting to treat hostages, depending on what their situations are and what they require. And, and in the hospital is where uh, the families would get to meet up with their with their loved ones, uh, and then after that, we'll potentially get some more more information about who they are and what condition they're in. Will cameras capture this all? Do we know? Uh, it's uh, it's likely that there will be some footage. Uh, I, I think that Hamas, if they are bringing the hostages forward, they they want uh, this footage. We've seen that they've. Uh, videotaped the the taking of the hostages. They've released videos of the hostages while they've been in captivity. Uh, they released uh, photos and videos of them releasing previous hostages, uh, four hostages that had already been released or early in the conflict. And so I think there's a good likelihood that we'll we'll get images. I think it's exactly what Hamas wants people to see. So much of the talk has been this exchange of three Palestinian hostages for one Israeli hostage. How will that play out? And when would those um, uh, prisoners, these I should say Palestinian prisoners who are in Israeli jails, when would they be handed over to uh, Gaza? Uh, exactly. Um, it's not not Palestinian hostages, either Palestinian prisoners that were arrested uh, specifically for participating in acts of attempted murder against Israelis. Some of them, you know, even stabbed Israelis, but the Israeli didn't die in that case, or, or participated in car rammings, or or intended to be suicide bombers. So these are these are killers that are being released. Um, they're not being released to Gaza because they weren't arrested in Gaza. They were either arrested in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, or East Jerusalem. So what's going to happen is they've already been moved uh, to the Ofer prison, which is right on the the edge of uh, Ramallah. And uh, if and when the Israeli hostages were innocent civilians kidnapped on October 7th are released, uh, then Israel will transfer three Palestinian prisoners for each hostage that they receive back. So it's afterwards or the exact same time as that's, I mean, how does that work? And do you know? It's, it's afterwards. So, you know, in addition to the prisoners, you know, Israel also agreed to the this temporary pause in the fighting. So Israel already has uh, begun the pause. The pause started at 7 a.m. Eastern time about five hours ago. Uh, so Israel's done its first part of the, the bargain. They've already moved the Palestinian prisoners uh, to a staging facility before they'll be released. And, and once Israel has in their custody the hostages from, from the Gaza Strip, then uh, three Palestinian prisoners will be released for each hostage that comes back. There, of course, has been immense pressure on Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to bring these hostages home. So what is the talk on the streets today in terms of this deal? How do people feel? Well, it's a mixed feeling. Obviously, if the hostages will come back, uh, 
alive and healthy, there will be uh, some degree of relief. Of course, you know, we're only expecting today 13 of the 240 hostages taken. So still, the, the overwhelming majority of the hostages are, are in captivity even after uh, this happens, if it, if it turns out to be successful. Uh, but there's also the questions about the, the wisdom of such a deal. Uh, yes, you're getting back 13 hostages, and the value that Israel places on each uh, human life is, is immense. But the question is, uh, are more lives going to be lost is more blood going to be spilled on account of the deal? Is Are more Israeli soldiers likely to be killed if Hamas is able to successfully regroup and rearm uh, during the, the four-day pause? Would, uh, would these released prisoners uh, could try to commit acts of murder against Israelis again? Um, and what will the release of these hostages mean to the status of the hostages that are still kept inside Gaza? Does it make uh, it more likely or less likely that Israel would be able to get them out in the future? Talking with Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Those hostage families, though, have done an incredible job of keeping their families' stories and their loved ones who are held in captivity in front of the world, no? Absolutely, and uh, they should do that. The, you know, the, the hostage families uh, should put immense pressure on the government to do everything that they need to do uh, to try to get back their loved ones. And and the government and the leadership of Israel has to decide how to weigh uh, those calls and those that push to get these hostages back uh, versus what are the national security interests and the and how they affect. Israel's other war goals, which include the dismemberment of Hamas as uh, as a military and a political entity, and really to make sure not only that these hostages get returned, but that Hamas is never in position to take another hostage again. Do the Israelis know that all these hostages, uh, the number that has been thrown around for the last couple weeks, 260, that they're all alive? No, Israel doesn't uh, doesn't know and doesn't probably believe that uh, all of the hostages are alive. Uh, when Israel raided the Al-Shifa hospital uh, just about a week ago, so during that operation, when they were in the morgue of the hospital, they, they already identified two hostages. It's believed that there may be additional bodies that they're they're trying to identify. Um, so there's no indication that, that all the hostages are alive. It's just 240 people known to have been kidnapped, uh, and, and they don't know to this point where the most of them are uh, and, and what their status is. So, no, there won't be no celebration in Israel today, even if these 13 hostages are released because so many are still back in Gaza. Well, they'll certainly celebrate the return of these uh, 13 hostages. And, and today's 13 and, and tomorrow is supposed to be, you know, another tranche. And over the next four days, uh, 50 hostages out of the 240 are supposed to be returned. Uh, there's also, in in the clauses of the agreement, if Hamas is able to bring additional hostages uh, over and above the 50, there'll be an additional day of pause in the fighting for each 10 hostages uh, that Hamas can produce. So if uh, the 13 come back and, and they're alive and they're in, in relatively good health, there there's probably going to be some optimism that uh, additional hostages are going to be coming home. Alex Trayman, what is your gut that the uh, Hamas will want to continue this pause and keep releasing hostages past those four days? 
Well, Hamas desperately needs a pause. I mean, the IDF has absolutely pummeled Hamas in the Gaza Strip uh, over the last six weeks. Uh, and this gives them much-needed opportunity to, to regroup and, and to rearm. And, you know, but uh, we don't understand exactly the nature of all the games that, that Hamas wants to play. Uh, we've heard rumors, uh, unconfirmed reports, that potentially that not even all of the 50 hostages that Hamas intend to relieve, release are, are alive. So it, we just we just don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, gut feeling, probably today, we are going to see uh, 13 hostages come back. Uh, it's hard to predict um, too much further into the future. Part of this deal, of course, is aid will get into Gaza. What what are the conditions there today? Do you know? Um, they're supposed to begin bringing as many as 200 uh, aid trucks over the next several days into the Gaza Strip. We, we've already seen that the first several trucks uh, containing uh, fuel, gasoline, and also uh, cooking gas have made their way uh, into the Strip, going towards uh, some of the safe zone, humanitarian zones that have been established in the, in the south of the Strip. And the question is, you know, to what what will all this fuel be used for? Uh, Hamas certainly needs fuel uh, for it's terror activities to, to power generators that are firing rockets to fuel uh, the ventilation systems in their in their very complex uh, tunnel system underground, which is their their, their main uh, arena of fighting this this tunnel system. So you know the the hope is that uh, any humanitarian aid that does go into the Gaza Strip is going to the civilians there uh, that need it and not going into the hands of Hamas. Well, we, of course, will be watching this closely from here. Uh, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. You can check them out at JNS.org. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for joining us this morning. WABC News Time 520. We, of course, uh, checking in, in with Israel, and we'll continue to follow that story all morning long. Uh, back here, of course, the conflict in the Middle East continues to play out in the street. You had the some protesters, 30 of them, jumping over barricades at the Macy's Day Parade yesterday with Palestinian flags, some of them gluing their hands to the parade route. They were arrested. Then there was a uh, Palestinian moment of uh, protest at the public library where a number of people were arrested. Uh, paint was thrown on parts of the library. Uh, the NYPD says they have not made a ton of arrests there, but they say they are looking in that and may make future arrests. So all that, of course, playing out right here, of course, in New York city as well 521 white house says a plot to kill a sikh separatist in the u.s has been thwarted a biden administration senior official says the intended target was someone who has dual citizenship in the u.s and canada white house spokesperson adrienne watson says government officials in india at the senior most levels have been notified of the plot watson said india's response was surprise and concern and they were conducting an investigation. Earlier this year, India denied allegations by Canada of any involvement in the June murder of a Sikh separatist in a suburb of Vancouver. I'm Brad Siegel. 522, the talk at the dinner table last night, if you're a dog lover, for us it was, uh, is uh, everybody on edge over this mystery illness in dogs that is spreading mostly on the West Coast, a respiratory virus. Uh, Ten cases of this respiratory virus in Los Angeles making pups sick there. Uh, here are the symptoms to watch out for because they say no doubt this virus will make it uh, to the East Coast, maybe because of the Thanksgiving holiday, people going back and forth with their pets. Decreased activity, 
coughing, potentially runny nose or sputum when they're coughing. Dr. Carol Carl Jenry with the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine says uh, health officials still have been found if it's caused by a virus or bacteria, and they can't predict where this will go. And they're kind of calling it so far a mini pandemic. I can't predict where this is going to go. This is like another mini pandemic, I if think you I will. just said that. Please, on the honor system, if you're going to use my services, please don't take your dogs to the dog park anymore. Yeah, that's somebody who owns a boarding and daycare facility says she's worried about dogs with this illness coming in so she said if your dog's sick keep them away some travelers who were thinking about taking their dogs on the long holiday weekend decided not to she's with me all the time so so there's no i'm not dropping her off anywhere else oh i probably wouldn't bring my dogs to the dog park or to a restaurant with dogs just for the sake of being extra careful. And the bad news about this is so far, antibiotics are not working against this virus. 523, there are many holiday traditions, including eating leftovers from the feast. And I'm sure you probably had a big one last night. But of course, the big question is, how long can you hold on to them and eat them? For some people, eating leftovers from Thanksgiving, like turkey, cranberry sauce, and mashed potatoes is the best part not to mention taking those turkey sandwiches to work on your next day back at work. But is it safe? According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, food can safely be eaten up to four days later if properly refrigerated. They say not to leave food out for more than a couple of hours, and you can always freeze food for up to six months and enjoy those tasty leftovers oh, later. God. Matt Passini, NBC News Radio. Really? Six months? I don't think so. One one night of turkey, man, I'm done for the year. I mean, I like turkey, but eating leftovers? No, I don't think so. But I know people, this is a big day. The following day, you make those big sandwiches. Now that you finally have pushed yourself away from the uh, Thanksgiving table, it'll be a day to go hunting for deals. But it's a little different than it has been in past years. Retailers are ready to kick off Black Friday, just as consumers pull back on spending. Friday's the unofficial start of the holiday shopping season. You've seen all the ads for sales, but retailers are concerned about a spending slowdown. Consumers are under more pressure now financially. More credit card debt, dwindling savings, and of course, inflation. In fact, shoppers cut their buying in October. The National Retail Federation expects shoppers will spend more this year than last, but their pace will slow, given all the economic uncertainty. I'm Rita Foley. Yeah, Black Friday isn't like it used to be. People would camp out uh, days ahead of time to get like a Sony PlayStation. No, no, not the way it was. Did you see the uh, game? It was uh, Dallas versus Washington last night. It was the second of three games of the um, uh, NFL broadcast during Thanksgiving. And um, the halftime show during that uh, game was Dolly Parton. <laughs> She's unbelievable. So she, um, the country leg legend is, uh, part of the Salvation Army Red Kettle campaign. So as part of that campaign, she sang like about a, it was maybe an eight minute set during the halftime show. But the wild part was, is she came out in a cowboy's cheerleader uniform. You know, the short shorts and the sort of semi unbuttoned shirt that well, shows off a whole lot. And she looked fantastic. Hey, We were sitting on the couch watching this game because we had just finished eating. We were like, wow, look at Dolly Parton, 77 years old, fantastic, and she sounded great. 
She also sang uh, 9 to 5. She did a rendition of Queen's We Are the uh, Champions. She has this new rock album called Rockstar that she just released. And she was rocking it last night. And um, we thought we were the only ones that took notice of it. But even the commentators on the game, it was Tony Romo and um, Jim Nance, who were doing the play-by-play and color of the game, they even noticed that. They were like, wow, she looks fantastic. We're in the covers cheerleading outfit. Yeah. You saw that coming, didn't I, you? You I said, had... I think she's going to go with a little cheerleading outfit tonight. And I was like, wow, it's pretty good. What do you think we're going to see? I mean, she looks half? amazing, right? You, know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen wonderful. here. Who doesn't like Dolly Parton? No, she's absolutely an American <laughs> treasure. Yeah, for sure. That was wild. I mean, she looked fantastic. Uh, WABC News Time 527. Actor Jamie Foxx denying allegations that he sexually assaulted a woman back in 2015. An anonymous woman in New York has filed a lawsuit against Fox, claiming he groped her in the back of a club while security guards let it happen. Well, yesterday, a spokesman for Fox said the alleged incident never happened. The woman is suing Fox, the rooftop bar, and its workers for damages, saying she suffered pain and emotional distress from this incident. Meanwhile, Fox's spokesperson says they're confident the lawsuit will be dismissed. An exhibit honoring Billy Joel. It opened on Long Island. Joel on hand to preview the installation at the Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Now, have you ever found yourself surrounded by you? It's kind of a nightmare. I don't know. Where did he get all this junk? It's a little intimidating. I, I guess I've lived. Talk Radio 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 533. Good morning. It is Friday, November 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today, high 50. Saturday, more clouds than sun. The high just 44. And then Sunday, we'll have morning clouds and then some afternoon showers the high 52 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are by the way 44 and cloudy in muncie up in rockland county 48 and cloudy in elizabeth down in new jersey and it is 46 and partly cloudy here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning we'll start this half hour right here in the city a civil lawsuit claims that mayor adams sexually assaulted a woman back in 1993. This story just coming out yesterday on Thanksgiving. Adams was out and about yesterday. Much of what he was doing was uh, he was at the parade, then serving meals to people in homeless shelters. Uh, He told reporters who were following him around that this sex assault never happened. I would not harm anyone in any manner such as that. Uh, My career speaks for that. The lawsuit filed by Lorna Beach Mather also claims battery, employment discrimination based on gender, retaliation, and what she calls a creation of a hostile work environment. Adams again saying none of that's true. It did not happen, and that is not who I am, and that is not who I've ever been in my professional life. Who will be representing you? You You can see he's sort of laughing it off there. Mather seeking $5 million in damages. She wants a jury trial. The complaint filed just a day before the state's Adult Survivors Act expires. It expires today, the end of today. This is absolutely something that has never happened. 
Yeah, it's been a rough couple months for the mayor dealing with the migrant crisis, a fundraising probe, and now this allegation of a sex assault. Mommies always tell me there are seasons when, you know, a lot seem to be going on. And at that moment, you just got to let go and you let God. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, so uh, this lawsuit coming in right under the wire. It was a law signed by Governor Hochul last year permits individuals to file claims of sex assault that occurred when they were 18 or older, even if the statute of limitations has long expired. So today is the last day. It'll be interesting to see if there are any other high profile cases that come in under the wire. Again, the mayor denying saying none of this is true, that adult survivors act expiring at the end of the day today. 536. Boy, fair beating has just gotten worse. You remember back in May, there was a report that came out that just said how many people don't pay for the subway, pay for the buses. Well, it didn't get any better. It's actually gotten worse. MTA finances show 41% of bus riders hopped on a bus without paying during the third quarter of 2023. That's up from 4% from a fare-beating report in May. And at the time, the MTA chair, Jan Lieber, said they were going to work on a program to make sure this would not go up any higher. It did not work. This is the first time that we've really gone all out on all the different types of MTA buses to start bring fair vision enforcement for real. Yes, so it's not working. Uh, The worst spot is up in the Bronx. That's where the most people cheat the bus. They go in the back way, don't pay the fare. More from Jenna Lieber. We are determined to accomplish real change, real reduction of this epidemic of fare evasion on our beloved bus system. Yeah, it hasn't worked. The MTA uh, was at one point proposing to raise subway fares, um, and, and well, now people aren't paying for it either way. It's a little too much for the ordinary people that rides the train every day. Yeah, so that's why so many people say they jump the turnstile or go in the bus through the exit so they don't have to pay. WABC News Time 530. Let's go out to New Jersey. After a months-long search, a 46-year-old elementary school teacher who went missing in Roxbury has been found dead. Lara Emanuel was first reported missing back on June 7th. I remember this story. She didn't return home from work. Morris County prosecutors say Emanuel's body was found by police in a wooded area off of Howard Boulevard and Route 80 in Roxbury. They had a canine crew that went in to search for her, and they finally found her. She had been last seen on that same road back in June, so it's not clear why it took so long to find her body. Neighbors, of course, had hoped that she would get back home safely. Oh, I hope they find her. (laughs) That's scary. I had no idea she was missing. That's sad. Yeah, it didn't end well. Authorities say no sign of foul play. The official cause of death by the medical examiner, undetermined at this point. Emmanuel was a teacher at the Roxbury Alexander Hamilton School in Morristown. 539, pro-Palestinian group of protesters packing the streets in front of New York's public library main branch there, the one that's near Bryant Park and the Holiday Market. They were there yesterday on Thanksgiving, uh, throwing paint on the walls of the library. They're the ones funding. They're the ones giving the money and giving the weapons. So they need to stop. Palestine is a mix of Christian, Arab, and Jewish communities. So only pushing a specific narrative for a specific set of people makes everybody else feel isolated, which is not fair. I think America only supports Israel because it's strategic. 
the uh, Palestinians and the protesters and the ones who, who support them have been, no doubt, much more organized than the Israeli side. The group met by police as they spray painted the words Free Palestine on the pillars on the front of the library. We need to organize. We need to agitate. We need to mobilize. We need to shut things down. They also spray painted what appeared to look like bloody handprints on the base of the building. Library responding with a statement on Thursday night saying it strongly supports the right to protest, but says it's facing steep budget cuts and can't afford to pay for vandalism at the library. Eight firefighters injured in New Jersey last night. Dozen residents displaced from their homes on Thanksgiving Eve. This was West New York, New Jersey. Fierce flames billowing from this building located on Bergenline Avenue. The fire was in an apartment above a pharmacy. We were about to cut the turkey literally and and then this happened and it's pretty sad. Like our Thanksgiving got ruined, our pets, like we can't find one of them. It's a horrible night. Yeah, neighbors had to get out with their cats uh, when the building two doors down on Bergenland Avenue um, uh, caught fire. North Hudson fire officials say an explosion caused the roof to uh, start this fire. They're not really sure what's behind it all. I got a call that we had three members that were missing. There was May Day. And, you know, your heart just drops. So eight firefighters taken to the hospital for injuries ranging from smoke inhalation to broken bones. And it's a sad day. It's a sad day for the township of West York with their residents because people now are displaced. They lost their residence. They lost their belongings. It's a difficult day for the firefighters, not because we had to work, but because of the injuries. Now their families will be suffered as well. Luckily, firefighters able to get everyone out, rescuing several residents. Others were able to self-evacuate. The fire was placed under control, but the damage already done. 20 people displaced on Thanksgiving evening. The Red Cross assisting at least 10 families. They were sitting by the window and they got like knocked down by the, it, everything shook inside the apartment. It was really loud. Yeah, of course, never a good night to be chased from your home by fire. But of course, especially on Thanksgiving when you're getting ready to sit down, have a big meal with the family. A uh, fire out on Freeport, Long Island as well, displacing a family there, tearing through this home. Also Thanksgiving Eve, the home located Bedell Street. Fire officials say the home no longer inhabitable. It looked to be all ex- exterior and it started spreading inside the home, into the walls. And they had to open up a lot to make sure everything was good and clear. So two dogs were taken out by the members of the department, out safely. Vet checked on them. They're in good condition. The fire chief tells uh, police that he believes the fire was caused by a pellet stove outside of the house. It was actually apparently being used as a source of heat for the home, and that's what ignited this whole thing. It's unfortunate, very unfortunate, especially on the holidays. Uh, Hopefully, you know... We have to be thankful that we're still here and breathing and living to see another day. Yeah. Two dogs rescued from that home. They're expected to be okay. The homeowner uh, declined to comment on this fire. While we're out on Long Island, some scary thoughts. Officials warning people about the chance of an anti-Semitic protest in the village of Cedarhurst, which is a predominantly Jewish community. The village says a threat initially surfaced on social media of some sort of protest that was set to take place. Police not giving us a whole lot of details on this, but they urged people to, uh, you know, just watch out. The protest they thought was going to take place, corner of Barnard and Central Avenues. Now, people who live in this community say they don't want this kind of thing happening there. Hopefully none of this happened, you know, because it's, it's, it's a really nice area, quite, you know, peaceful you know, we all live side to side, 
for for years, no problem. Yes, yeah, so we reached out Nassau County Police when we heard about this. They say they are in contact with numerous intelligence agencies and say uh, they don't think there's any threat to the community at this time. But they say if people want to assemble for any sort of march, they would be able to. We have more on this uh, former Obama administration advisor. This is the creep that went up to a halal truck guy on the Upper East Side and started up talking about the Palestinian children that have been killed during the Hamas-Israel conflict and uh, applauding the fact that so many people are dead on the Gaza side. And this poor guy is just trying to make a living as a halal cart uh, driver, rather a cook. And so um, Stuart Seldowitz apparently had come and th- said all this terrible stuff to this halal card guy over a number of times over a couple of weeks. So uh, they, uh, the guy took out a camera and taped him all. And, um, well, he was uh, arrested on Wednesday. We're going to put big signs here that say this guy believes in Hamas. You're a terrorist. You support terrorists. If we kill 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know what? It wasn't enough. Yeah, so the community actually doing a great job here. They reacted by helping this uh, halal card guy out, setting up a table next door, asking people to buy more food from him. This Obama administration, uh, Stuart Seldowitz is his name, now granted supervised release. This was last night after being arrested on hate crime charges. Part of what he can't do is he no longer can show up, thankfully, at that halal fall, uh, food cart. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Justin Alec has the morning off, but thankfully, Anthony Hopkins is here. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Noam. Good morning. Happy post-Thanksgiving here. We're going to get to some sports here brought to you by Peerless Boilers in the NFL yesterday. The Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions 29-22 to in Detroit. The Dallas Cowboys put hurting on the Washington Commanders 45-10. to And in the late game, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Seattle Seahawks 31-13. to Excuse me. Today, the Jets will play the first-ever Black Friday game as they play the Dolphins uh, at 3 p.m. And in the NBA tonight, the Knicks will play the Miami Heat at 7.30. To the ice in the NHL, the Rangers are in Philadelphia to play the Flyers at 1 p.m. The Devils are at home playing the Blue Jackets at 3 p.m. And the Islanders are in Ottawa tonight playing uh, the Senators at 7.30. Got a full slate of sports today there, Gnome. That sports brought to you by Peerless Boilers, the world's best-built boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com for more. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Of course, the biggest one will be in the Middle East. All eyes on whether this hostage deal will take place. Israel's military continued to pummel the Gaza Strip. This was yesterday, just ahead of this four-day ceasefire intended to see the militant group Hamas free dozens of Israeli hostages in exchange for the release of some 150 Palestinian prisoners. About 10 U.S. citizens remain unaccounted for after Hamas's brutal October 7th terror attack. And some of them are thought to be hostages, including what is believed to be the youngest hostage in captivity. It is three-year-old Abigail Idan. We don't know if she'll be turned over today, but actually today is her birthday, so she'll be turning four. The pause in fighting, it did begin at 7 a.m. Israel time, so that was midnight our time. So that first part of the deal has taken place. Now, the second part is this first batch of 13 hostages, which are set to be released at 9 o'clock our time 
uh, 4 o'clock Israel time, all of them women and children. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office confirming that he did receive a preliminary list of the names of the people who will be released. Now, the only people who apparently have been told about this list are the families of the loved ones who will get to meet them On the Israel side of the Egypt-Israel border, will they be released? The thought is, and a lot of this is up in the air. If you weren't listening earlier, we were talking to Alex Trayman, who was in Jerusalem, a reporter there. He says, not all of this seems like it's going to be seamless. The thought was the Red Cross would be the middleman in getting these hostages out. But he said that wasn't clear. Also part of the deal is hundreds of trucks carrying desperately needed aid into Gaza, like uh, things like cooking oil, fuel, um, medical supplies. That will start to roll into Gaza. In fact, it already has. The need is so great in Gaza that no matter how much aid you are going to bring in, there will be certainly uh, more need for uh, for aid. So that is one of the Qatar officials who helped organize this deal along with the U.S. Hamas has been incentivized to release more of those hostages. Every 10 additional hostages freed by Hamas will see Israel extend the temporary ceasefire by one day. It's a four-day ceasefire right now. More Palestinian prisoners would also be released if the deal is extended at a ratio of three prisoners for every hostage handed over. So lots of people, of course, watching this in Israel very closely, all over the world for that matter. And uh, two of them are the kids of 79-year-old Chaim Perry. They know that he's not going to be released, at least, at least not in this initial uh, crew of people being let go out of Gaza because he's 79 and he's a male. It's all women and children. But they say they're hoping that Hamas will at some point send him back home. It is really hard to think how he's coping, how he's uh, dealing with those probably days and nights that he doesn't even know uh, where he is, what time is it. President Biden, who's spending Thanksgiving in Massachusetts, telling reporters yesterday that he was not prepared to give us an update until this deal was done. It tells you how fragile and how worried people are about this deal and it going through. When we were talking to Alex Trayman early this morning, he says Israelis are holding their breath to see if these certain hostages are let go today. That is the Perry family is hoping for the best for everybody who's being held against their will. The need is so great in Gaza that no matter how much aid you are going to bring in, there will be certainly uh, more need for, uh, for aid. Yeah, so in 2011, uh, Hamas agreed to free kidnapped soldier Gilad Shalit in exchange for the release of more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners at the time. Uh, Gershon Baskin, he was the Israeli hostage negotiator who helped secure that agreement. He says the fact that the militants, the terrorists, are getting just three prisoners in exchange for each hostage they release this time is an indication that Hamas is very eager to hand back women, children, and the elderly that it is holding on to. And let's go back to Qatar, where the this deal was worked out. And uh, there was a press conference late yesterday where they said they think this is going to work. With this pose, humanitarian pose, with this toast, we hope that it would be a good chance for everyone to start more action and more work in uh, in regard of the uh, uh, the situation, so as to reach a longer truce and a longer pause, and uh, also a lot of things have been done and said regarding the release of more than uh, the 50, and to extend as well 
the truth. Yeah, so there's lots of folks who are hoping this pause will last more than four days. Of course, on the part of the Israelis, they're worried that Hamas will have a chance to rearm and regroup during that four days. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has made it very clear that whenever this window ends of the hostages being released, it'll be back to what they were doing before, uh, bombing and going after every Hamas member. That's what an Israeli Defense Forces spokesperson was saying yesterday as well. If Hamas surrenders and gives back all of our 236 hostages and, and surrenders unconditionally. Yeah, so they say there is a deal to be made here if all of the hostages are released. Where this is going, it depends mostly on Hamas. Yeah, that's what they're leaving it all in Hamas's hands. The reality of October the 7th is a reality that is unsustainable for Israeli civilians. And so that's why they say they will continue the bombing if this window is closed. And nobody knows what's going to happen over the next four days. I am sure that we could see a, a very quick end to the conflict here and spare lots of lives. Yeah, so we'll, of course, watch this closely. Again, the details now, Israel has paused its fighting as promised as part of this deal. It, that was at midnight our time, 7 o'clock Israel time. And then at 9 o'clock our time, uh, 4 o'clock Israel time, that's when the first 13 hostages, all women and children, are set to be set to uh, the border between Gaza, or rather, I'm sorry, border between Egypt and Israel, where on the Israeli side, Israeli uh, hospital workers and their families will be waiting to greet them. Of course, we'll be watching it closely to see if that happens. All right, let's bring it home, 555. Uh, it's nice to see all the people getting fed who need to be fed yesterday. Salvation Army serving hundreds of Thanksgiving meals throughout New Jersey and the tri-state yesterday. Literally people that don't have an address that live on the street have nowhere to go, um, nothing to do on that day. Not only are we offering food in that setting, but we're offering um, relationship, camaraderie. Yeah, that's Major Brett DeMichael, who organized dinners in years past. This year, they fed the hungry three places, Montclair, New Brunswick, and Passaic. Salvation Army says over 800,000 people in New Jersey face hunger, including one in 10 children. The NFL, as uh, Anthony Hopkins told you, will have its first ever game on Black Friday, which is a little weird, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jets head coach uh, says that he's not getting caught up in the festivities, or he didn't get caught up in the Thanksgiving festivities as he planned for today's game. I think it's great for the fans to have another standalone game on another day, great for the league um, on a uh, on another day in the week. But um, uh, for, for uh, it feels like Groundhog's Day since August, so for, for a coach it's all the same. Yeah, so the big game starts at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, while we're talking about people doing nice stuff, I left this guy. I don't want to leave him out. Bob's Diner in Brewster has become a mainstay over the years for feeding families. And it's just not a matter of them cooking up meals. I think this is kind of cool. They ask people in the neighborhood to bring their favorite dishes to the diner to feed the hungry. And that's what it's turned into. So there's just tons of food as people who don't have the means to have their own meal or don't want to be alone on Thanksgiving, stop by and get fed. It's all been positive. Everybody seems really grateful and happy. They can have somebody to sit with and maybe not be alone. Generally, the best thing that each household can make, and then they bring it here. Yeah, so yesterday, there were 50 households involved in making food side dishes for the people who showed up. Great. People are very nice here, and the food was, was fantastic. It, it means a lot, I'm sure, especially, you know, times are hard. Food is expensive. Yes. 
so, and a lot of people showed up to Bob's Diner in Brewster, including these folks. It's this completeness. I'm able to create an opportunity where the community can help out also. Yeah, and while we're talking about nice stuff, uh, giving thanks this holiday week, 64 customers who had uh, put $200 worth of merchandise on layaway at the Burlington Coat Factory up in the Bronx. They got a phone call Tuesday that uh, a New York giant was going to pay it all off for them. On behalf of Payaway the Layaway and Kayvon Thibodeau of the New York Giants and his Dream Foundation, we've paid off your layaway balance today in full. Thank you, Boo. Yeah, how cool is that? Kayvon Thibodeau, who's just having a great season. I mean, the Giants aren't, but he's having one. He paid off all these bills in full, and uh, the shoppers, of course, surprised. Here's Kayvon. I'm really proud of uh, my team and Payaway coming together and spend some holiday too. And you can only imagine that uh, this payway surprises families and it's just less money they got to put out. I don't know anything about football, just halftime, but I know who he is. <laughs> and please tell him thank you and happy holidays from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, nice job done there by Kayvon Thibodeau. 